All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. From WNYC, this is New Tech City, where digital gets personal. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this is the last episode in our Kids and Tech series. Over the last few shows, we have learned from experts about the great things that are happening in high-tech classrooms and some of the slightly worrisome things. If you have a a sort of bleeding-edge teacher who's like, hey, I just downloaded five new apps, let's try them out. As a parent, that would make me anxious. We heard about what happens when teachers start using apps to digitally monitor behavior. We also spent time with kids with disabilities who are on the very cutting edge with their technology. Different kids with different vision use Braille, iPads with enlarged text, screen readers, or an iPhone with one earbud in, all to read the same thing. And of course, we talked to the app makers themselves. I think education is a really emotional area. I think parents are right to be concerned. If you missed any of these episodes, go check them out. You might even want to do an EdTech listening binge. They're fun to listen to back to back. Okay, so now on to the grand finale. You might remember that at the start of the series, we heard from Deirdre Shetler, a technology teacher with 800 mostly immigrant students in Arizona. And after hearing one particular New Tech City episode, she decided to create a survey for her students, a survey full of tough and sometimes uncomfortable questions about how they use their gadgets and social media. People don't talk about them with those things. People do a really good job of scaring kids about digital citizenship, but nobody talks to them about the ins and outs of social engagement with other human beings. Deirdre shared her survey with us, and we passed it on to dozens of New Tech City listeners across the country who used it to talk to the tweens in their lives. So it has like questions like, are cyberbullying and being mean online the same thing? How should parents keep their kids safe online while still respecting their privacy? We have called their responses. And even when kids in different parts of the country had different tech habits or different kinds of online experiences, their answers revealed three underlying principles. Three principles that we think every grown-up can use to help them teach or to parent or just talk to a kid. All right, so here we go. You ready? The first principle. Don't be alarmist. I know, it's hard. Oh my God, there are predators online and phones are destroying their social skills. There are so many kids in tech horror stories out there, but from what we learned, they're kind of out of proportion from what's really happening. Listener Nate Merrill is a middle school social studies teacher in rural Vermont in a town called Dorset, population 2,031 people. 
He sees his students on their phones constantly. And so when he did our survey with his class, he assumed that their responses would confirm an obsession with texting and pinging each other. Wrong. Well, it really did surprise me that that kids who I see with phones all the time really didn't use them as much as some of the things that I've heard about in the news or or interviews with, with maybe older students or more urban students or even suburban students. Kind of a lot of that, especially when it came to the texting and the constant communication with friends. Not only do they prefer hanging out in person, Nate's students didn't even recognize some of the tech that we mentioned in the survey. You know, they are middle school students, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. So maybe it just hasn't hit them. Um, They also live in a small town in rural Vermont. I don't know if my kids are naive or if they just maybe appeared that way a little bit. But when Nate asked them if their parents were tech obsessives, well... They did definitely agree that their parents are ones who use technology, and they really felt that eating and dinner time and things like that were times for no tech. (laughs) So maybe the kids should be more alarmed about us. I mean, I'm picturing Vermont pastures and kids telling their parents to put their phones on airplane mode. Smell the maple syrup already. So that's the view from rural Vermont. More teachers from around the country in a little bit. But now my own conversation with some 12-year-olds, three of them actually, in their classroom after school one day. So a couple weeks back, I packed up a big bag of chocolate chip cookies, and I took the subway to Quest to Learn. This is a public middle school here in Manhattan. Okay, so remember, we're talking about our first principle, don't be alarmist. My first question from the survey was about cyberbullying. And Guthrie, this tall and freckled sweetheart, he had a very personal take on this. Cyberbullying is probably the reason I stopped using social media. But yeah, I do think it's much different when you're, you know, if I was to, or if someone was to, like, bully me or, you know, make fun of me or do something like that in real life, I would say it's probably, like, you know, a little easier to deal with because you can actually see them and you can talk to them and you don't feel like it's so, it's really anonymous. It sounds like there was a story here that you were on social media and then you decided to get off? Yeah, I was on Instagram for a while, but then there was like a lot of, there were a lot of people and a lot of users who were, you know, really, they talked a lot about very personal issues, but I think social media is the wrong place for that. Sure, it's nice to be helpful and try and get other people through, you know, whatever they're dealing with. But I think if you don't know them and you're not really talking to them in real life, it's really not the place. I mean, which is weird because Instagram is mostly about photos, right? So how does something like that play out? Well, there's like a lot of um, a lot of stuff, mostly just, you know, in the comments and stuff. Um, people still manage to, you know deliver a message through photos, um, which, again, I don't really want to talk about. But yeah. Okay, so you closed your account, though. Um, well, it's still open. I just never really, um, I sort of deleted the app, and I just don't really go on it anymore. I didn't really want to press Guthrie on his bad Instagram experience. But to me, the takeaway is, yeah, cyberbullying, nasty stuff online, it happens. And talking to kids before it happens gives them the smarts to do things like deleting their account, understanding what is okay behavior and what is just not okay. So alarmist, no. 
information and discussion? Yes. Like in sex ed, when the teacher, you know, very matter-of-factly handed out a banana and a condom. You remember that, right? It was totally weird and disconcerting, but you learned a lot that day. Which brings us to our second principle. Kids and adults, they are in a new partnership. Embrace it. Gone are the days of authoritarian father knows best. But you also can't think, oh, well, they're digital natives. They'll figure it out. Let's go back to Guthrie. How should parents keep their kids safe online while still respecting their privacy? Okay, well, um, actually, I do have an answer for this. Um, my parents say they read my texts and they, like, look at my searches and they look at my calls and, you know, they make sure that, like, I'm not texting anything that I shouldn't be. Um, but I don't know if they do that. It's a good strategy if, like, because I think, you know, I try and be safe because I don't want, you know, anyone, I don't really want them reading my texts and stuff. Um, But I don't know if they actually do. I think they just say they do. It's almost like you and your parents are in this together in a way. No? No. You are shaking your head at me. I am. No. I don't, I never said, okay, I never said I agreed with it. I said that I understand it. Guthrie doesn't mind his parents being a little bit in his business. But what we learned when we asked listeners around the country about this was that there's a wide spectrum. Some middle school kids really do want their parents in their online lives a lot. Todd Baker is the tech coordinator at the Magellan International School in Austin, Texas. Kids there take Spanish, Mandarin, and JavaScript— and many of their parents work in the Austin tech scene. They were telling me things like, when I decided I wanted to use Twitter, my dad sat down with me and he created an account as well. And then we started to use it, and he's following me. And I got, I got the sense that this was a comfortable feeling for them, and they felt respected and that they were able to go into this new territory. Respect your elders? More like respect your youngins. Remember, these are middle schoolers we're talking to. Like, the perfect time to forge ahead with this new kind of partnership between parent or teacher and kid. But it's going to have to be the grown-up who asks the questions. Just to show you that this kind of talk doesn't have to be in the classroom, meet Beth Molesky in Ridgewood, New Jersey, my home state. She used our survey to spark a talk with her 11- and 12-year-olds. You know, I think I was somewhat comforted because we did see eye to eye on most things. I did ask them point blank, which I had really never asked them before, whether or not they would be comfortable telling me if there was something going on with them that I was unaware of. And, that you know, I was comforted to know that they both said, yes, if there was, if there was something I needed to know, they would let me know. And I really wanted them to know, too, that I know that they're going to make mistakes, both online and in their personal interactions, and that's okay, that, you know, we can work through those together. I wanted them to know that I have their back. I love that. Beth has her kids back. She wants them to know that they are on the same team. It's worth remembering. Okay, you've heard principle one, don't be alarmist. Principle two, kids and adults are in a new partnership. Embrace it. In a minute, our third principle that can help a grown-up teach or parent, or just talk to a kid growing up in the digital age. And my realization, 
just how different it is to be a 12-year-old today compared to my own experience. I enjoy programming because it's usually the only thing that makes sense. Okay, New Tech City listeners, here's my podcast recommendation for the week. Death, Sex, and Money with Anna Sale. It's also from WNYC. She interviews people and probes way deep about life's most challenging moments. You are always surprised with the answers that she gets. You can get Death, Sex, and Money wherever you listen to on-demand audio, or you can check it out on the WNYC app. We're back. I'm Manoush Samarodi. This is New Tech City, and we are wrapping up our kids and tech series with the three principles every thinking grown-up can use to help them teach or parent or just talk to a kid. These principles are the results of a survey that we made to help teachers and parents have a better conversation with middle schoolers across the country. Okay, so principle one, don't be alarmist. Principle two, kids and adults are in a new partnership. And finally, principle three, remember, kids are seeing a different world than you did at this age. Let's start with middle school teacher Katie Naomi from South Bronx Prep in New York. We're in the poorest district in America, so um, we're dealing with some pretty intense issues of poverty. They're so resilient and they're so funny and they want to be here. They want to be at school. And when Katie asks them about their lives, especially their technology, they appreciate it. They open up. And that is also how she got some of the details about how her kids talk to each other. There were so many things that, that I had no, just no idea, would never even occur to me. Things like kids group texting while sitting right next to each other. That was something that my students all reacted to right away. Like, oh my gosh, yes, you were just doing that at lunch. Yes, you were. No, you, no, I wasn't. Yes, you were. Right? Starting these like silly little fights. And I mean, I had no idea that that's what they're doing in the cafeteria is sitting at a table next to their best friend, texting their best friend. Kind of different from those kids in rural Vermont, right? Man, I think just a lot of the time, us grown-ups have no idea what is going on. But we can't know if we don't ask. Let's go back to that school in Manhattan that I visited. I want you to meet another 12-year-old that I talked to, Jake. And I think it's safe to say that Jake is an introvert. Well, I don't spend much time talking to people unless I'm at school. I just pursue my own things. I mess around on the Internet a lot. That I have plenty of free time, and that's where I know all kinds of stuff about computers. I could hear the pride in this kid's voice about what he can do with technology. Just watch the recruiters swoop down on him in college. Uh, when I was nine, I wrote my first JavaScript game. Now I'm moving on to stuff like OpenGL and C++ programming. I enjoy programming because it's usually the only thing that makes sense, really. Uh, that's also why I'm into science and all that other stuff like that. I love that. You said it's usually the only thing that makes sense. What do you mean? Well, I find humans to be confusing beings. If you mess up on a computer, it's your fault. Some humans just lash out for no reason. And they're hard to predict, right? Yes. 
Jake is teaching himself about computers and thermodynamics and all kinds of things that he told me he was into. When I was growing up, I think it would have taken a lot longer for a kid like Jake to find his niche. It sounds cheesy, but I think the most important thing I learned from talking to teachers and parents and kids was what a broader view of the world kids at this age have. The third student I talked to was Ayella. She is a firecracker of a 12-year-old girl, super positive about tech in her life, in large part because of her family situation. Her mom is visually impaired. She had a tumor, and it was removed and stuff, so she can't see, like, certain things. Like, if you're, like, standing over there, she won't be able to tell if you're happy or mad or sad. And, like, so it's hard for her to see certain things and whatever. So she she uses voiceover, and she's, like, on her phone, like, all of the time. So you see technology, like, really helping your yeah, mom yeah. a lot. And I think it's helping, like, everybody because it, like, it's very – it, like, helps you, like, understand certain things. And Ayella, she wants to understand a lot of things. She loves Wikipedia and TED Talks. And she thinks a lot about things way bigger than whether she just got a text message. Like, we're talking cosmic questions of the unknown. I don't have any idea when we're going to find the end of the universe or something. But I think it would be cool if we could use, like, some kind of dark matter technology to, like, help us, like, go there or something. It would be cool. I think about that a lot, like, what's, like, out there and stuff. And, like, how we're so small. Yeah. I think about that a lot, too. It's a little scary, though. Yeah, I know. But I don't think I thought about that when I was 12. I mean, I definitely didn't think about this stuff when I was 12. Not to get existential here, but these kids seem to be looking for meaning in their lives at a time when I was wishing and praying for another pair of guest jeans. Principle number three. Remember, kids are seeing a different world than you did at this age. And at the risk of sounding like an old fogey, this internet stuff is powerful, right? These kids never have to be satisfied with that old grown-up response. Remember this one? Just because. Try it yourself. Our tech survey for tweens and teens everywhere is at newtechcity.org. Thank you so much to Deirdre, Katie, Nate, Don, Todd, and Beth, and all the kids who took the survey across the country. We're at the end, you know, sad, of our kids and tech series, but you can listen back to all of our episodes and try out the tools. They're some really interesting stuff. They're all at newtechcity.org. And if you absolutely haven't had enough and you live in the New York City area, come to our next event. It's a family maker day on April 25th here at WNYC. Parents and kids will get a chance to build some simple electronics. They're going to learn about circuits, get project ideas for making things together at home. It's really fun. I have tried some of them out with my kids. Ticket information is at our website. Next week, something completely different. A trip to my kitchen with the computer that won Jeopardy. It might change the way you cook. We're going to cook the... Uh, I've never done something like this. This is wow. exciting. I've never cooked avocados in a pan. Like that in early in the stage. Yeah, like I don't, know, I don't know what's going to happen to the avocados, but we just got to trust that Watson knows. Remember, if you liked this EdTech series or you just like New Tech City, the best way that you can support us is to share our podcast with a friend. Post an episode on Facebook and tag two friends who you think should listen. It really does help us out. 
I'm Manoush Samarodi, and this is New Tech City. Thanks so, so much for listening. You should only put limits on the amount of useless stuff you do on the internet. If you're doing something useful, like, I don't know, creating content or something, well, keep going by all means. If you want to spend your time on Instagram, go outside.